rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I'm hoping this isn't one of those weeks where these are two classic episodes that I'm just somehow not getting because this ep- this week was kind of a letdown, particularly after home. But this was just kind of there, these episodes. I, I kind of felt like you were going to have that reaction. And I also kind of had that reaction. I don't like Taliko. I mean, I just yeah. think it's it's almost racist. I, I don't know. It, it's what... African squeeze. Yeah, well, right, exactly. I mean, in my notes, I have this as a riff on Tombs. Like, mm. I, I don't really quite understand what the X-Files issue is with telling stories with primarily non-Caucasian uh, white characters. I mean, but the show does have an issue. And, of course, yes, I don't know that it has more of an issue than a lot of other American television shows of this era and continuing to the present day. But if you think about the episodes like Shapes, Fresh Bones, um, you know, Hell Money, for example. Taste of Dos Bichos. Taste of Dos Bichos. And now uh, Toliko. It's not that the show is racist, and I wouldn't say that The X-Files is racist. It, it's more that it seems to be trafficking in very, I guess, well, shallow interpretations or understandings of cultures that are not western and i just find like the musical choices in this episode to be very <laughs> problematic I, I you know it's like the african world music stuff you know i'm like what what is this what am i watching okay like at the beginning it almost seems like it's going to make some kind of a point right like when you know Mulder is t- when scully's doing the autopsy at the beginning and Mulder is saying you know oh gee you know it just so happens that there's a bunch of young black men who are getting killed and, you know, no one really cares and this is just a PR thing. Like, he's starting to make a a, a legitimate point, right? Like, the, these are people that American society often considers disposable. Uh, you know, if we can have we, – we've had episodes of The X-Files which show segments of society that are being preyed upon by a supernatural force that are seen as disposable. You know, the, you know we've had, for example um, – uh, irresistible was about you know hookers which are again seen as a sure. disposable subculture and it seems like this is where this episode is going right like we're doing you know black men maybe you know largely immigrants people who are not really seen as full americans and you know their deaths just happen because of more mundane reasons every day either getting shot by cops or you know through random crimes or whatever um you know, illness and they can't afford health insurance because we're in America and, you know, it's bullshit. But it doesn't really go anywhere, right? The the the, the killer, which is an evil spirit from darkest Africa, is – like, what does that have to say about anything? What is the larger point that this is making, I guess? Yeah, I, I don't really know. I'm with you. Like, I, I, you know, I think The X-Files at its best at least tries to say something about contemporary America and – Maybe that's part of the issue with these episodes is that when the show tries to broaden that out and say things that are very outside of, frankly, white America, it's not very good at it. And again, I don't find Taliko to be racist necessarily, but I think it just has a lot of unquestioning beliefs or assumptions about the internal lives of black people that are a little problematic 
I mean, for instance, uh, Samuel Laboa, who is the tombs character of the episode, who is missing his pituitary gland. And for some reason, I don't even really know if you can live without a pituitary gland. Uh, I meant to look that up and did not. But, you know, so he's missing his pituitary gland and the pituitary gland is what creates pigment. Okay, fine. That's an interesting uh, angle for an episode. And he takes pituitary glands from people and eats them. I don't know what he does with them. And it's like, all right, that's interesting. Sure, I'm with you. Uh, it, it's a very sort of well-trod area for the X-Files to go into. As and, we and, both said, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a variant on Tombs who just ate livers because that's what he ate. And, you know, so this guy eats pituitary glands because that's what he eats. Right, it, and you start yeah. to say, okay, at least there's some sort of reason why he needs it. It's not as It's not as sort of like obtuse as Tombs where you had a real problem with why is he doing this? And I'm like, I, I don't know why he's doing this. You just kind of have to go with it. And with this episode... At least there's some explanation for why he's doing it, but... This feels like a bad... I made a bad wish. Like, oh, gee, I wish there were a version of Tombs that was a little... You know, that dealt with some actual deeper issues and, you know, had more of a reason. Do it's you like, see what damn you it. did, Richard? <laughs> I should have been more clear. This is your fault. I'm sorry. But, you know, he's he's a blank character. He's You know, you could get yeah. away with Tombs early on in the show as the show was finding its footing and as the show was trying to figure out exactly what it was going to be. And, you know, I like, I think a lot of people overreact to X-File procedural episodes. I mean, they make up a large portion of the show, frankly. And, you know, 80% of the X-Files is a straight-up procedural. And I enjoy it because I yeah. enjoy procedurals. There's something comforting about them. And I also like the characters of Mulder and Scully. And that goes a long way, as we've said. But sometimes procedurals fall down when they don't have anything to really... I mean, there's nothing interesting about yeah. this, right? Like. Part as of a structure, as a mystery show, as two people investigating, fit, you know, a crime and coming up with a solution which fits the crime, it works. But yeah, and, and uh, I think that, like, you know, I like Unruh more than it sounds like you did, and we'll talk about that yeah, in a few minutes. But you know, at least Unruh is an episode where Mulder and Scully investigate and have agency in their own episodes. Yeah. Well, until they don't. But, and, you know, we'll talk about that as well. But with Toliko, it's another episode where, like, Mulder and Scully don't really do anything. You know, they're just kind of blindly following leads, and they never really get ahead of it. And the 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 character at the heart of this episode is also completely uninteresting and is completely yeah. uninteresting in a way that I don't think is intentionally racist, but, again, comes across as. Because, you know, the character of Samuel Laboa, he frankly... I mean, not to be rude about it, but he seems simple. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know a better word for it. And it's I think a they were going. Sorry, I think they were going for inhuman and not really having a. But if he was supposed to be, uh, you know, and for for a while, I thought, okay, he's possessed by something. He's, but then they're implying that he's some evolutionary offshoot, and he is, you know, very similar to a human. And so, yeah, I, I mean, Tombs came off as very simple. But I don't know. There, there. Maybe, it, it, maybe it's just me reacting to a primarily white creative and production staff, and that's not an unfair reaction. That is creating a black man character that comes across as simple-minded. 
But at the same time, I mean, I can't help but compare this episode to Home because that's what we just saw. And, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, is Home being, you know, too bombastic by making it television can be art kind of a statement. And in no and of itself... wait. Just wait. Because <laughs> I was going to say, in and of itself, I was fine with it. But then when you have, you know, television can be art. For example, let's look at Toleco. And it's like, um... You know, this is not a great follow-up to that. In Home, we had a trio of characters who were, for lack of a better word, simple, and yet they were much more fascinating. Sure, they were, you know, they were grotesques, right? Like, they were, but they had something interesting to watch in them. There is nothing, there, there is little imagery in this episode that is shocking or fascinating or uh, compelling, you know? Maybe him pulling the flute out, the blowpipe or whatever out of his throat is a little, you know, gruesome, but otherwise, like... You mean next to his throat? (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me how it's done. You're going to ruin the magic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, beyond that, I can't really think of much imagery from the episode. A bunch of uh, albinos. Yeah, I I think that's right. I mean, I I think that, that, you know, while you were saying that, the thing that I was thinking about is... I think that if this episode had appeared in the second season, mm. you would have been a lot more warm towards it. And I don't yeah. know that I would have been, but I mean, there definitely is a level of there, you know, even if this episode doesn't have a lot of visual panache, even if it doesn't have a lot of sort of artistic direction and, and you know, that sort of thing. I do think that, you know, the X-Files has a baseline level of quality at this point that even a sort of like eh episode, because I wasn't bored during this episode necessarily. No. I think it, it it it's well written. It makes sense. The story flows well. There's no sort of logical problems with the events of the episode or things of that nature, which certainly happened in earlier seasons of the X Files. So at least on a baseline level, this is a you know this is like a like a like a C, right? Yeah. But but just in terms of you're right. Like just in terms of how the X Files has been able to transcend its origins as a sci-fi procedural and and really get experimental and especially with episodes i'm thinking like clyde brockman's final repose Mm. or home uh there's an episode coming up next week which i i really don't like but which isn't quite as experimental as those episodes but it's 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 a strange episode and it does some interesting things that the show could not have gotten away with in the first or second season it doesn't fail for lack of ambition yeah. Like, this is not an ambitious episode, and given the past two episodes that we had, again, um, I forgot the season opener, uh, maybe- Heronvoke. Heronvoke. Again, not a ton happened in Heronvoke, but it had a lot of evocative imagery, and it was a very, here's season four, and home was very, yeah, season four, it's huge, look at the shit we're gonna show you this season, and now we have Black Tombs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what it is, is that it it's just okay. Yeah. And it's just an episode of the X-Files. And I think that, you know, I have talked before about how shortened television seasons and serialization means that you don't get yeah. different tones and flavors and, and those sorts of things from week to week. You know, shows are very tonally consistent now, for better or for worse. Uh, and, and the X-Files for whatever else you can say about the show, is not tonally consistent. Which is one of its biggest strengths, I am finding. Again, yeah. you know, it, it, it 
week to week, I don't know what I'm going to see in a very exciting way. And, you know, there is a bit of a, you know, gambler's rush to that. Some days you're going to get home. Some days you're going to get Clyde Bruckman. Some days you're going to get Taser Dos Bichos. You know, it's... But I think that the episode kind of knows that in a certain way. Like, there are parts to this episode or elements to this episode that make me think that Frank Gordon at least knew that he had to throw in some... some you know, panache, visual panache. Well, not a visual panache, sorry. Uh, he had to throw in some some writerly panache because there's this weird uh, uh, motif running through the yeah. episode that keeps coming back about Deceive and Vagal and Obfuscate. Yes. And it, it sounds like the sort of thing that Chris Carter would write. I don't know if he did or not. I mean, certainly I'm sure that he would yeah. rewrite a lot of these scripts or work on them. Uh, it just sounds like the kind of thing he would write. And, and there is that that um, also that that conversation they have where you know Mulder's saying you know folk tales and you know we explain we explain these weird things through science or folk tales or conspiracy theories that is a very Chris Cartery sentiment too yeah oh yeah absolutely and I think that you can see that um, you know all throughout the episode but you know in terms of that like deceive and vague and obfuscate thing it's it's very very writerly and it's very very artificial and I don't know why they keep saying it. But it never really goes anywhere. That's the problem is like it almost feels very uh, this this episode feels very paint by numbers. Like, you know, you've got all your elements. You've got Mulder and Scully arguing about some crazy theory. You know, you've got a, a sort of like turn of phrase that is memorable. You have a very sort of uh, uh, intriguing opening uh, cold open to the episode. You know, it's moody. The lighting is there. The, the, the music is there. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really add up to anything. Yeah, and and I think what's even a little annoying about this is it's vaguely a mythology episode in that the UN lady appears, but um, compare this to um, the episode with Skinner and the Succubus. What was that one called again? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember, but yeah, I know which episode yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, where that one you know, turned out to be a mythology episode very subtly. And that gave that gave what was going on a lot more resonances, made it a lot more made it a lot more than it is, and I found, you know, elevated that episode. Here, the presence of the UN lady adds nothing. It just, you know, reminds us that, you know, she's going to be a part of this series. Like, why was she even in the episode? She just kind of gives him a contact that could have been gotten elsewhere. You know, it, it doesn't really... I, 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 It seemed kind of tacked on. Again, I, I get that we want... You know, she is going to be part of at least the season, if not, you know, several more seasons, that she is going to have some connection to something larger. But this particular incident has no connection to the larger to the larger story. Yeah, I mean I I'll defend it a little bit because I definitely get your criticism of that, but at the same time Mulder does need to get that information from somewhere and yeah. so why not her? Uh, you know, I think that you know Deep Throat and now Deeper Throat slash X are gone, they're out of the picture, they're they're both dead. Um or at least we think they're dead. Uh and she is the new contact or whatever. Uh, Mulder doesn't, I mean, I think Mulder for the first time is sort of at loose ends in that regard. And he doesn't really have someone that he can turn to, to say, Hey, I need to find out X or I need to do this, or I need to get this information. And at least he is, 
he has her and he thinks that she is there for him. She is sort of helping him reluctantly and we don't know exactly what her game is. But I think it's just she's there to remind us that she exists. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And that is fine. Again, where 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 else could she go? Because it's not like she can't appear in every single episode of the season, right? I mean, there's no yeah. reason why she couldn't. Now, she doesn't, obviously, because she's not at Unruh, for example. But, you know, I think that, that idea about, like, Deep Throat or, or, or Deeper Throat, where they would pop in every now and again. And the show definitely did use Deeper Throat more as the third season went on. I think that he appeared in almost every single episode in the last four or five episodes of that season. Uh you know, she is, it's likely that she is going to appear more than Deep Throat, for example. Mm. Yeah, and especially because I think they have a clear idea of what the mythology is going to be. Again, even if it doesn't quite add up to anything in well, the end. I, I, let's I, not I, go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, I guess more like in the first season, they're kind of experimenting with mythology and, you know, now it's season four and they know, yeah, mythology is something people like, something we want to do, something we, you know, so we're going to go with it. I think that's right, because the X-Files in the first and to some degree second seasons was a show where, you know, they weren't sure of themselves. They weren't confident. They they didn't know what the audience would react to, what they wouldn't react to. Yeah. And if now people this, hated the alien episodes and only like the monster of the week stuff, they could probably quietly drop that and, you know, can, you know, it wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I'm very excited to get to some later episodes, of course, because the show does get, you know, as I've said before, does get more and more experimental in form and, and tone uh, than it even does now. And I think you're starting to see that. And I think yeah. that's also why you're so disappointed in Delica. Yeah, n- this felt like a middling season two episode. But in, yeah, no, sure. But I think in some respects, though, those standout episodes stand out because they are so different. Hmm. And so we can't have every single, I mean, it's like, you know, the old joke about, well, uh, you can't have Christmas be every day, right? Because then it would mean nothing. And that would be bad because, listen, there are plenty of people who are not Christian for whom Christmas means nothing anyway. So there we go. But I like Christmas and I celebrate Christmas. There you go. Also, I decorated for Christmas today, so I'm staring at Christmas decorations, uh, even though this is being released in January. But hey, Um, well, I, I think we would be remiss to move on to Unruh if we did not briefly talk about the opening of this episode, because I really like it. I mean, I don't think yeah. that the rest of the episode lives up to the cold open of this episode, but it's really well done. And I don't know that I have much more to say about it than that, but I just wanted to call it out as a cold open of the X-Files that I particularly like. No, I, I think it's a case where oh my God, what the hell is happening? That the answer turns out to be, you know, well, he eats pituitary glands is, you know, it it, it seems almost like one of those things where somebody had this, you know, they had this scene, they had this image in mind, you know, they had this written down and they couldn't come up with something, you know, their explanation for it couldn't quite match it. Well, yeah, because I think, let's compare and contrast the the cold opens of Toliko and Unruh. You know, Toliko, yeah. a guy gets murdered on an airplane and 
ultimately it's the creepy guy we saw with the glowing eyes that murdered him that we saw in the cold open. Whereas on Rue, this woman gets kidnapped and we don't know what's going on. We don't know why it's happening. We've got this very creepy image of her screaming. And so you don't know where Rue is going. You know, she and her boyfriend are end up. Yeah. She and her boyfriend are up to something. What? It, there are several mysteries in the cold open to Unruh. In, in Toliko, it's just the one. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, um, let's move on to Unruh. But before we do that, I just want to take a quick opportunity to remind all of you, the listeners, of tuning in that this podcast is listener-supported. If you would like to give us a little bit of your hard-earned money each and every month, you can go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now we use your money for such things as podcast hosting fees and uh it, it's really a great way to show your appreciation love respect and admiration for the podcast so don't deceive inveigle or <laughs> obfuscate our podcast go to patreon.com slash truck about show and give now all right let's talk about unruh which it doesn't seem like you well, like very much it's no because i did like the episode and I think this was a much better baseline episode. I, I here is here it is. This is a Vince Gilligan episode. I am waiting for Vince Gilligan to be the guy that created Breaking Bad, and he's not that yet. There is a lot good in this episode, but I also found this episode a little crowded with stuff. Um, well, welcome to Vince Gilligan. Uh, yeah. I, I'm surprised. I I think this is. I'm trying to think if this would make a top 20 for me. Interesting. I, don't, I think it would. I really, really like this episode. There and- are, I mean, don't, don't think I, 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 again, I maybe overstated my case at the beginning and I'm more talking about Toliko that I didn't like, but mm-hmm. I did like this episode. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I like this episode a lot. I think it's extraordinarily yeah. well done. And I, I think that this is the first episode that Vince Gilligan wrote where you say, Okay, this the, I get. I know where this guy, what this guy is doing. I understand that this is a guy to watch. You know, Soft Light was whatever. Pusher was whatever. And this, while those episodes had their charms, and while I like them, Unruh actually has an ending and has mm-hmm. a point and doesn't just stop. And Vince Gilligan has figured out how to write a complete story with a complete plot that has a beginning, middle, and an end. And Which is something that the writers of Discovery still don't know how to do. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, if the ending involves, once again, putting Scully into jeopardy, well, we'll talk about that when we get to it. And I'm not exactly a fan of that part of it. But I like this episode a lot because you can see where Vince Gilligan's interests lie. And they lie in... I think turning X-Files procedural episodes into puzzles and to Hmm. really throwing them inside out and starting with a real... The one thing about Vince Gilligan episodes I think that you're going to find is that he is really good at constructing these sort of uh, uh, you know puzzle box mysteries where the episode starts and you have no idea what's happening. And over the course of the 45 minutes, of course, it makes sense. But... Can, that's why I kind of wanted to compare and contrast the cold opens of Toliko and Unruh because I think you can just tell that these guys are working on different levels. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and I guess it's not that there's – a lot of it has to do with where the ending of the episode goes in her 
final journal entry at the end, and I, I've said that I like when they are filling out the reports. Uh, you have Scully talking about, you know, in order to survive, I had to see things from his, I had to empathize with Jerry, and I had to, you know, do all of that, and in some ways that reminded me of Grotesque, because that was the major theme of that, right, in order to catch a killer, um, you know, Interestingly enough, written by the person who wrote Toliko. Ah, and another hor- and a, a worse episode than Toliko. So he's improving, thank God. <laughs> um, but I, I guess part of it is I didn't quite get that sense from the confrontation scenes when Skelly is in with Jerry. I that wasn't the theme I was pulling from that. So I guess mm. the. I, I guess that's it. The the moral of the story that, you know, to fight a killer, we have to understand and maybe even become the killer didn't quite click for me. So what were you what what theme were you getting out of those scenes then if you weren't getting that theme? Mulder and Scully have different approaches to that, right? Like Mulder's when he's talking when they're in the construction site and he's saying, you know, oh, tell me where Anna is, you know, and all of that. Like Mulder is very good at that thing. Mulder is very good at figuring out how to understand that. And I guess maybe they could have seeded that theme a little more. Um, I don't know. Maybe, and it's possible I just didn't get the you know the full measure of it out of that you you kind of knew where it was going in that and so you know maybe it is a little too subtle for me maybe i'm just stupid but uh <laughs> well i wouldn't say you're stupid no 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 opposite it's, actually but some days i fail a spot check but yeah um, i mean certainly we all do sometimes but I, I mean i don't want to make it all i mean it's not your fault right i mean i think if it didn't if you didn't quite get that then you know maybe the episode is being a little too subtle and i mean i guess also I think Scully is trying to figure out what's really going on. In other words, like her, her figuring out from, you know, talking to him that, you know, her reading between the lines and realizing that, um, his father molested his sister. She killed himself and he probably as revenge for that, you know, beat and almost killed his father. And he's, you know, snapped and he has these visions of these hollows. And so that isn't really empathizing with him. That isn't really seeing from his perspective in that way. That's kind of seeing from a more objective perspective, which is where Scully often is as the scientist, as the scientist in the pairing, she is the one who is able to look outside. You know, I don't know. I mean, I I agree with you. I, I, I wonder if the ending is just a little incongruous with the rest of the episode. You know, I and I think that's that may be my issue with the episode that you have a great episode and it's slightly off. It could have been seeded a little better. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I, I I think that could be true. I I think what the episode was going for and what Vince Gilligan was going for, and I don't know that it, the episode is completely successful at this, is you know, and I think this is why he put scully and jeopardy at the end Mm -hmm. of the episode which is something i am not a fan of and something which i think the show you know i remember talking about a very early first season episode where scully rescues Mulder, and that was a very deliberate choice on chris carter's part to demonstrate to the audience that she was not going to be a damsel in distress and then of course what does the show do But keeps now, putting her in jeopardy. Granted, um, in Toliko, Scully does save Mulder from, you know, at the end of the episode. He is, the, you know, true. both of them get drugged in these two episodes. It's, you know, at this point, the score is even. True, true. But, you know, I, I think that for me, what it comes down to is that 
Scully was the one to find the killer. Scully was the one that really mm-hmm. uh, he latched on to, right? I mean, she, he was not latching on to Mulder, yeah. of course, because Mulder's not a woman. And Scully is the one who was placed in extraordinary danger from this man. I mean, he he wanted to stick an all in her eye and give yeah. her a transorbital lobotomy. Two uh, minutes later, and yeah, it would have happened. Right. Kind of a thing. For, for Scully, I wonder if there is much of a difference between objective observation and being, you know, empathetic to someone. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, she certainly doesn't let it cloud her judgment. She is somebody who, anytime there are, anytime there is an episode with a serial killer of women, uh, Scully does get very invested in that case. It does become very personal for her because she is aware of the danger, you know, there isn't a degree of there but for the grace of God go I kind of a thing going on with her. And, you know, this is, a, you know, although, of course, there are plenty of episodes in which Mulder, you know, is worried about, you know, saving a young woman because of her his whole sister thing. Um, I think they do make that even. Um, I... I would never see Scully getting into the same dangers that Mulder might have in Grotesque where, you know, that episode was all about, is Mulder going to go off in the deep end? Yes, he is very good at getting into a killer's head. Yes, that is how he figures out who a killer is. But, you know, is that going to, is that identification going to take him too far? I can never see Scully fully leaving rationality behind, no matter how much she would ev- ever empathize with any killer, um, no matter who they are, she is still going to have that strong sense of right and wrong, that strong sense of reality versus, you know, madness, that strong sense of what really is, you know, what needs, what evidence is needed. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I think that, that uh, you know, a key scene to that is, is you know, when um, Mulder says something to Scully about wanting to continue looking at this. And, and Scully's like, why, you know, I don't, why would I want to do yeah. that? Like, I, I have no interest in that, you know, for, for, for Mulder, this is a really interesting case and this is a really interesting killer. But for Scully, this is not something that she necessarily joined the FBI to do, frankly. I, you know, yeah, we, we, we can't, if, the, if well, it's, we, it's, o- it's only because, uh, Jerry manages to get the drop on the cop that he, you know, escapes and things aren't done. If he had been processed and was in a cell and, you know, they have enough evidence to convict him. They have it, you know, and that's all Scully cares about. What matters right. is that justice has been served. For Mulder, the uh, the the question of why is this happening? What is going on? And, of course, he is more interested in the supernatural element of the case. Yeah, because, I, I mean, it's making me realize that, that one of the things that I, I really like about the X-Files in general and the way it portrays Mulder and Scully is that, Mulder is very, very comfortable and used to getting into the heads of murderers and serial killers, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. worked on the behavioral sciences unit. Uh, he is someone who has, you know, originally got his his fame in the FBI from being yeah. a profiler. He's very comfortable with that, whereas Scully is not. You know, Scully is not comfortable with getting into the heads of, uh, frankly, you know, reprehensible people. Whereas she is extremely comfortable with dead bodies, she is extremely comfortable with blood and gore because she is a medical doctor and she is the one who does all of the uh, 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 autopsies all the time for them. Whereas Mulder's not necessarily as comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking even of, let's go back to Teleco for a bit, when they're working with the idea that this is a pathogen, um, you know, Mulder's saying, well, we don't have a motive, you know, what's going on here? And she's like, 
it's a disease. It reproduces itself and that's it. Like that that's you know, she for her motive is not at all a factor in pathology, right? Like it, you know, it, it it's it's almost irrelevant. Yes, you know, you have a disease, you have symptoms, you have cause, you have effect, you have a cure. You know, motive doesn't fit into any of that. Right. Yeah, there there is no motive for a disease. I mean, you know, well, unless you're a Republican in the 1980s. But <laughs> uh yeah, I think that's right, but I don't know the other the other part of Unruh that that I really like and I I think that this is perhaps related directly to Vince Gilligan and I, I think where I know his episodes go because like I said he sticks with the show I think pretty much until the end of it at this point and um, you know he's a, he becomes sort of one of the shaping forces of the X-Files going forward you know which I don't know if you would necessarily have, have uh, you know predicted that uh, after Soft Light but there we are is that you know A I think his episodes are imbued with a, a very real uh, humanity to them I mean I, I think that you know, I feel sorry for Jerry in a way, which is a yeah. weird thing to say, but I definitely do. And his episodes are very, they're not funny. I mean, he's not someone who writes funny episodes, but they're very, they're very sort of sardonic in the way that like Breaking Bad was, you know, Breaking Bad was not a funny show, but it definitely had moments of ironic humor. And, you know, I, I keep going back to that uh, line when they find the the picture, um, of the kidnapped victim screaming right and you know scully says well well you know it's it's it was you know above the heater and the the dyes could fade (laughs) and you know and and bulger just has this great line so you think it would make her look like she posed screaming for her passport photo and you know it that that is such a good line because it's so perfectly uh encapsulates and undercuts scully's entire process it's like come on scully what are you talking about yeah what i do love about breaking bad and you know about these things is there are a lot of very the mundanity of a lot of things you know the fact that uh there is an observation of people and how they talk and what they do you know in their alone moments um that Again, you know, you have these grandiose things happening, you know, whether it's a serial killer stalking people and this supernatural film thing or, you know, somebody becoming a drug kingpin and there is no there is no lost sight of of the human moments underneath that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of a weird comparison, but I've been watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which uh, is the the new Amy Sherman Palladino show um, on oh. Amazon. And it, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's great, but the thing that I think is so interesting about it is that um, it, it feels much more grounded in reality than her earlier work. Like, mm. I, I think that Gilmore Girls and Bunheads both feel like sort of fantasy worlds in a way. Yeah. They, they don't feel like real places. And The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel takes place in a very particular place and time. It takes place in New York City in the 1950s. And it shoots in New York City. And I, I don't know uh, why Amazon gave her so much money to do this show. But I'm glad they did because it looks mm-hmm. great. Um, but it, it's just an interesting comparison to me because I think in a, in a similar way, it, you know, Vince Gilligan kind of has this very sort of ironic, sardonic point of view. But he grounds it in the, mon- in the mundanity of everyday life. And I think you see that in Unruh as well. Like, 
Jerry's just a guy who's working a job and but at the same time he's he's staking out people to murder them and there's a lot of that in this episode I mean the druggist I think is wonderful there's a lot of nice little you know nice little details about the druggist and how he's written and how he's uh, uh you know kind of demonstrated in this episode that I think is so great yeah I love I love that there is outdated film on a shelf that's, you know, under a heater, you know, which is, and as he says, well, people don't really come to get, you know, passport photos, you know, very often. And it's a, it, 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 it's, it's a weird lack of, you know, care that he wouldn't even know, really notice why these things would be a thing. You know, he's, he's an old dude who runs a drugstore. He's not very technical minded and all of these, you know. To, to to us, it's very obvious why you wouldn't do that. But, you know, again, a very human thing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the other thing to talk about, frankly, is, is the visual look of those uh, photos. Because that's the other part of this which I think elevates Toliko or mm. elevates Unruh more than it does like an episode like Toliko. Because, like we said before, Toliko is a very bog standard X-Files episode that is just you know, point A to point B doesn't really have, uh, you know, much artistry behind it. Whereas Unruh, you could look at it and say, okay, well, it's a standard X-Files episode. Mulder and Scully are investigating a crime and, you know, they go through the motions of investigation and et cetera, et cetera. And that's all true. But the the better X-Files procedural episodes have something at the core of them, which elevates them. And I think a lot of, yeah. there's two things about Unruh that elevate it. I think the writing and I think also the visual style and the visual look of those photos scully and the you know in the little camper with the uh you know her scenes very well shot very distinctive set pieces you know the the pharmacy the which we return to three times in the episode and we get to kind of know very well um the the way the graveyard scene is shot you know there are a lot of very specific uh things that jerry is wearing on his legs yeah, again, that's that's a weird little detail that, but that's something that I guess people do when they're in construction. I've never seen it. My father worked in construction for years, but I don't know what that's for. Uh, well, your father was not a serial killer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can say that for sure, but uh, 90% certainty about that. Um I don't think narcissists are usually serial killers. Um, Yeah, and I I, I mean, I think that's right. But I think that, you know, maybe the last thing I'll say before I wrap this episode up is that, you know, we're talking a lot about Vince Gilligan this week, which I think is appropriate. But, you know, you can really look at at, at his work in Breaking Bad and then again in Better Call Saul where the man has a very visual mind and he thinks very visually and he has a lot of, um, you know, he directed episodes of Breaking Bad. I think he might have directed an episode of, of Better Call Saul. You know, he's very good with imagery. And this episode has a lot of really interesting imagery. I think that actually, you know, the other two episodes he wrote as well, Softlight and Pusher, have some interesting yes. imagery in them as well. You know, and I think that his mind is very inventive. And with Unruh, it seems like he's finally been able to tap into a discipline that he needed and i'm excited to see his other episodes i don't know if you are well i am yeah no i i I guess that's 
I mean, because I liked Pusher, and I did remember the, you know, if, if it, you're right, it did kind of peter out. This is, um, I mean, each be- episode has been better than the last uh, uh, for Gilligan, and maybe I'm waiting for him to be great, and he isn't quite there yet, but he's approaching it very fast. Well, um, I think the uh, last thing I'll say um, is something that I, I should have mentioned while we were talking about Toliko, but... Uh, I do like the fact that uh, Toliko has the return of the like little guy that has a secret crush on Scully and the show. Agent Pembril. Yeah, there you go. And they're making making it very obvious that everybody knows at this point, (laughs) which I think I like. I'm really worried for him. Why? I have to be. Because like, what if something's going to happen to him? I don't know. I don't think anything happens to him. I He's actually avenged. had forgotten that he was in the show as much as he was. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that he is because he's been like kind of once or twice and they're kind of really going with him. Like they obviously it's a case where they obviously like the character and the actor and they're just kind of running with it, you know, but, you know, expected to be just a one shot thing. Yeah, works for me. Is season 11 going to be them getting married? I don't know. We'll find out in a year or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it for this episode of Tuning In. If you have any thoughts on either of these episodes, please do go to tuninginshow.com and leave a comment on the post for this episode. As I said before, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. We do have some reward tiers there, so please go there and give some money if you feel so inclined. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're in all those places. Tuning In Show is our username, so follow us and like us and share us and, I don't know, do all kinds of stuff with us. Social media is the future, unfortunately. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we are going to be talking about The Field Where I Died and Sanguinarium. Mac, why do you...